The Daily Tap is live for Friday. We are talking about the Milwaukee Bucks and their win over the Philadelphia 76ers. We'll talk about Bucks overreactions after game one. We'll also give out golden kegs. Yes, we are going to do golden kegs for the Bucks, so enjoy that. We are also going to chat about Christian McCaffrey going to the San Francisco 49ers. Why that increases the heat on the Green Bay Packers. We'll see if the Packers make any sort of move because of the McCaffrey trade, and they should. Um, so we'll talk about that. Then we'll get into betting. Um, we'll talk about the Packers and Commanders lines. We'll also talk about the Badgers and Purdue. So a loaded Friday show. I wish it was a little less sports heavy. You know, I like those easygoing Fridays, but we got news. We got bucks. We got betting lines. We got we to gotta go, baby. We got to talk about it. But before we do, make sure you're following along on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok and Facebook. Uh, make sure that you are rating and reviewing. Uh, again, not seeing a ton. I know you guys are listening. You guys give me feedback. You guys talk to me about things that I, I say on the show. The least you could do is give a review. I might, It might get to the point now where if you guys say something to me in a group chat and I notice you haven't given a review, I'm going to bring it up. And if you're talking to me on Instagram or Twitter, you like my post on Twitter, like leave that review, baby. Let's go. All right. Anyways, uh, if you're some new to the program, somehow you found us on TikTok, Instagram, uh, Twitter, somewhere else, welcome. Uh, make sure that you're subscribing. Uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever else you'll get your podcast. I know um, we are probably low on the totem pole today. Uh, Taylor Swift, new album. Everybody's jazzed up about that. But I am glad you gave us our listen, and we appreciate your listenership. All right, let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and some overreactions after game number one. Milwaukee Bucks beat the Philadelphia 76ers 90-88. to It is the Bucks' third straight win in Philadelphia. They actually might have more, but they've won their last three in Philadelphia. And Milwaukee continues to look like the superior team against the Philadelphia 76ers. It's very fun to beat Philly. Um, I always have a great time. I never have a bad time. I, I think Philly is probably my favorite team to beat, honestly. We could probably do a tap list on this. But I, I just, I don't really like Joel Embiid. I don't like James Harden. Um, I appreciate what Embiid does, but I just, I don't see it there. I, I just don't. And I feel like Embiid could be a little bit better and he just refuses to. And it doesn't really exactly get called up by the media every now and again. But you saw today at certain points where he didn't transition out. And the Bucks got a very gritty win. Sam Vecini of, I believe he's the athletic now, pointed out how gritty and sort of intense this game was for game number one, right? It felt almost like a playoff game. Like that could be an overreaction in itself, but it was very much this, every basket was tough. Every guy wanted it. It was not a game that the Bucks were willing to give in or the Philadelphia 76ers, right? There were two examples of a potential, like here, have this game in the fourth quarter, the Bucs jumped out to an 80 to 70, 67 lead. It looked like the Bucs were gonna run away with this game, win it, look good doing it, and sort of deliver a statement. Then the Sixers force a bunch of turnovers. The Bucs, they think, had five straight possessions with turnovers. James Harden gets hot. It gets to an 80 to 80 game, and then it's back and forth, and a West Matthews three becomes the difference in this one, and the Bucs win the game. So what overreactions do we have after this game? I Overreaction number one is the Bucks defense is fixed. 
<laughs> that to me is like the biggest headline, right? The Bucks talked about how they were going to protect the three-point line, how they were going to get back to what they were, you know, pre-COVID, where they were a tenacious defense. And a lot of the issues last year were predicated because of Brooke Lopez's injury. Like Brooke Lopez being out led to a lot of the problems that the Bucks had defensively. And teams became so much better at shooting threes, finding open three-pointers, that a lot of the system that Mike Budenholzer had did not really work anymore. And so the team knew they had to adjust. I thought Haralabob had a really good point about how Mike Budenholzer always adjusts. He gets a lot of shit and he was like, yeah, it's justified, but he always adjusts. And that's a really good point. And I think Bob Volgaris is definitely right on that. But if you look at what the Bucks did against the Philadelphia 76ers, they held an 88 points. For the record, like that was much you know, fewer points than what we saw the Sixers do against the Boston Celtics, so they lost to. But they only shot 24 threes. When is the last time you can remember a team shooting only 24 threes against the Milwaukee Bucks that isn't the San Antonio Spurs? They only made five of them, right? Harden was one for seven from th the three-point line. The Bucks' defense looked nasty tonight, okay? I realize that this is game one. This is why it's called overreactions. A lot can change. But Milwaukee was really doing a hell of a job in terms of protecting the perimeter. I think it helps to have Javon Carter and Drew Holiday out there in the starting lineup. I think that's that's going to matter. I think those guys are going to contribute. I know Carter only played 22 minutes and he kind of shared, you know, the bench minutes with George Hill, Wes Matthews, Bobby Portis, all played around 20 minutes. My assumption is that they are going to look at all of those guys as potential options and in the starting role. It would not surprise me on the Houston game Wednesday on Saturday, if we see Wes Matthews out there, if we see George Hill out there, if we see Bobby Portis starting, I think it will all be lineup dependent. I haven't looked at the Rockets lineup hand up, but I think they will look at that and see how can they how can they sort of make changes from here. But yes, I was really impressed with this defense, and it, it wasn't just the three points. I mean, the Brook Lopez defense on. Joel Embiid was otherworldly, right? Embiid was in hell the entire game. Like I made the joke to Mitch, I think in our our preview podcast where I was like, oh, Harden and Maxi are going to be in hell with Carter and Holiday. Turns out it was Joel Embiid, right? 15 points for Embiid, 12 rebounds. Yes, he did get a double-double, but he had 15 points on 21 shots. He only got to the free throw line three times. He had an awful, awful shot down the stretch uh, where it was, I think it was like less than a minute. It was right before West Matthews hits the three. He basically iso, no, no real movement, takes it into the paint, does this little fade away. It comes up short and they Bucks obviously come down and hit the three. And I wanted MB touching the ball down the stretch. Like I, I wasn't exactly afraid of Harden either. Uh, I think that's the kind of the joy I have with the Sixers is I'm not really scared of either guy. Like I'm not scared of Harden. I'm not scared of Embiid. They've given me no evidence for me to be scared of either. I think when you, you talk about Miami, you talk about Boston, Toronto, there are guys there that scare shit out of me. Fred Van Vliet, 
Jason Tatum. I would I may put Jalen Brown in that in that category. Uh, the occasional Grant Williams three, right? Um, who else? Uh, Toronto or Miami? Jimmy Butler. Toronto. I mentioned Fred VanVleet. So yes, this defense, man, it looked nasty. Um, I'll be very curious to see how it does. You know, against a team that they don't really have any sort of rivalry, any sort of beef with in Houston, right? Houston lost by ten to Atlanta in their first game of the season. I. They, I don't think they play again on Friday. So I think it's just the Rockets and the Bucks on Saturday night, which should be a rocking home opener. Um, you know, Saturday night in the Fiserv, it's going to be 70 degrees out. It's a very warm weekend here in Milwaukee. So the, it is going to be a lubricated crowd at the Fiserv Forum. And hopefully the Bucks play off that. And I will, I'll be curious to see if the defense carries over. Overreaction number two. It's going to be a really tough slog for the first 20 games of the season without Chris Middleton and Pat Connaughton. Drew Holiday was not good in this game, right? Drew Holiday did not play well. Um, that, to me, is something to be a little concerned by, that if Drew, Drew can't pick up the slack, then the Bucks are going to have to grind out games like this, and they're going to have to play really good defense. And sometimes that doesn't always happen, right? It doesn't always work out this way. Holiday was brutal, and I know he had eight assists. That's great, but he he missed almost all of his shots. He was two for fifteen. He missed all his threes. He only had six points. He only turned the ball over once, which is kind of crazy. It felt like he turned the ball over a lot more. I guess Carter and Allen combined for six turnovers, so maybe that was the glut of it, right? Where it felt Holiday might have initiated it, but then Carter or Allen couldn't finish it off. So. Drew Holiday, man, like it, it just has to get better. I, I don't know if it's he needs to play in the shape or whatnot, but that, that was a really rough game from Holiday to start the year. Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to be the MVP. Um, I, I don't even think there's an overreaction. He didn't even play that well, right? He had 21 points, 13 rebounds, eight assists. Um, I don't. I think there were moments where you're like, where's Giannis? Why isn't Giannis taking over this game? I hate Stan Van Gundy. I don't like Stan Van Gundy. Um, that could be its own overreaction. I'm not going to look forward to any Stan Van Gundy game this year. I think Brian Anderson and Ian Eagle, who are both pros and do a great fucking job, carry Stan to water, but they can't necessarily get him there. He's just obnoxious. He talks all the time. He was all excited about chicken nuggets today. It's like, Stan, be less of a fat fuck just one time for me, okay? Uh, but anyways, I, I digress. So Giannis, uh, I, I still thought this was a solid game for Giannis Antetokounmpo. I, I don't think there's any, I don't have any complaints really about what Giannis is. Um, and I think there there's things to come. It's, it's only going to get better and better as the games go on. And Giannis is going to get more comfortable with you know, the season and and all the, the bumps and bruises. And I mean that in a good way, not necessarily he's going to be hurt. I mean that in just that, like, it's going to feel good to get hit again in the lane and, you know, take that contact and know what you got to do and work on your sort of new stuff. Like Giannis is is a scientist. He's, he's experimenting, I think, for at least the first two months of the season. You could also argue maybe Giannis sort of tries new shit during this time of no Connaughton, no Middleton, where he's like, you know what? It's going to be a lot harder. It might not be as easy as it will be later in this year. So I might as well try some different things, see if I can run into it since I'm going to be relied on more. I don't know. 
Uh, but yes, I, I don't think it's an overreaction to say Giannis is the MVP. Overreaction number four, I kind of like what Jordan Nora brought to the table today. Um, Jordan Nora played 16 minutes. I realize it's not a, it, it wasn't exactly an effective 16 minutes, right? He had a plus minus of, of negative one. He scored six points. Um, he had two threes. He was uh, a couple of bucks made multiple threes. So I wouldn't say he's the only buck. The bucks actually had 13 threes on 42 attempts, which a little too much. Brooke, Brooke needs to like, he was just a man possessed out there. Like you saw the mid range early and I was like, oh my God, great. Like glad that he's brought it in a little bit. And then he just started firing. Like I realized he made four, but I tweeted this out to having the keg on Twitter. Like I don't need Brooke Lopez shooting uh, long range threes in the last five minutes of a basketball game. Like I, I just do not need that. So anyways, um, I think Nora brought something to the table today. Like I, I don't know if he's going to play more than 16 minutes. I think there would be some that argue that that's Bo, those are Beauchamp's minutes. Um, I get that. I, I do. I, I, I can see how some might feel that way. But I, I do think that Jordan Nora played played well, and he played within himself, and he, he didn't let it let it get too much and didn't seem nervous out there, kind of seemed comfortable, and that's really encouraging. And if that's a guy that you can rely on for two to four threes a game, like that's awesome, right? That's that You'll take that every day of the week. And so I, I liked a lot of what Jordan Nora did today. I thought that was good. And then lastly, don't sleep on Bobby. Bobby had 11 and 10 off the bench today. He had nine defensive rebounds. Like, I think that was very quiet, right? We didn't see Bobby in crunch time or anything like that. But I, I really commend that Bobby played well in this game in, in a sort of just lurking in silence. 10, 11 points on 10 shots, not exactly great. But I, the 10 rebounds is more what I'm focused on. You know, helping the Bucks in terms in terms of grabbing those wards against the big boys of whether it be Embiid, whether it be PJ Tucker, whether it be Paul Reed, Tobias Harris, like they got guys who can rebound, right? Like they they don't have you know guys that aren't good rebounders. Harden for all the criticism he gets sometimes, he, he's a good rebounder. I mean, Harden nearly had a fucking triple double, thirty one, eight and nine. I will also do a Philadelphia overreaction that I think James Harden is going to have a really good year. I think James Harden might put himself into that MVP conversation. Like he looks really good. And I think we all wrote him off and I'm not a huge James Harden guy at all. I made that clear at the beginning of the pod, but I still have to appreciate what he's done. And I, I mean, played 40 minutes. Yeah, I didn't make a bunch of threes, but if a couple of those go down, we're talking about a 37, maybe even a 40 point night for James Harden. And if he has a couple more rebounds, a couple more assists, that's a triple double. And I think everybody is freaking out about the James Harden performance. It'll be fun that these two teams link up again in three weeks, basically, or four weeks uh, on the 18th. And and the Bucks have one win under the belt now. And that is a really good sign. So that's a couple Fridays from now, Friday the 18th. I actually already told my wife that we'd watch a Amazon movie that day. So it looks like I will be stuck second streaming the book. Second screening the box, which I do piss her off every now and again. Um, it's not not maybe one of her favorite things, but you gotta do it when it's a big game, man. You can't you know, like there are certain games that matter in the regular season, and it is Boston, it's Philadelphia, it's a little bit of my I'd put Miami right there, uh Toronto, Brooklyn. Um so you're like Charlie, you've already five teams. Like that's a lot. I'm sorry. I mean then there's teams of the West too. I mean it's yeah, there are, there are only a few games that, you know, there are only a few teams where you're like, oh, yeah, that's a good date night team. 
And I wouldn't even put Houston in that on Saturday because it's home opener, man. So anyways, um, yeah, I probably have a problem. Like I probably probably watch too much sports, but that's that's okay. That's why I, I have podcasts because I'm gonna be like I, I have to watch it for the podcast. You know what I mean? So, anyways, let's talk about. Oh, we're gonna do golden kegs real quick. So we already kind of talked about a lot of it. So I won't I won't kind of talk and recap what I what I've already spoken about. But we're giving golden kegs for this game. Um, for those unfamiliar, if you haven't been listening to the Monday podcast and we're talking about the Packers, golden kegs are basically the best and worst of. The game, uh, three kegs goes to the best and one keg goes to the worst. Three kegs, I go to Brooke Lopez. Um, like I said, the defense with Embiid probably won the Bucks the game. And if they, they don't have that defense from Brooke Lopez, the Bucks are probably 0-1 to start the season. Two kegs, I'll give it to Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, I realize it wasn't the best Giannis game, but 21 points, 13 rebounds, 8 assists. You could have gave it to Wes Matthews for the big three um, as, he, as that was a huge moment in this game. But... I'll give it to the Greek Freak. And then one keg, Drew Holiday's offense. So not his defense, right? Not just Drew Holiday. His defense was great. And he had a great play against Harden at, in the last minute, in the last moments of this game. So I have to credit Holiday's defense, but his offense was an abomination. Um, so hopefully it gets a lot better um, when the Bucks play Houston on Saturday. We'll talk about the game on Monday's show. Moving on to the NFL, but not the Green Bay Packers. In fact, it is the San Francisco 49ers, a team that has been a thorn in Green Bay's side for years, has traded for Christian McCaffrey. I hand up, fell asleep on my couch. Um, I was watching the Thursday night game. I, I My body finally shut down from the sports equinox. I was like, all right, dude, you've already watched Buck Sixers. You watched uh, uh, Yankees Astros. And now you're going to try to watch NFL? Like, no, no mas. And the game also was out of hand. Like, I know it was an eight-point finish. It was not that. I mean, Arizona blew him out. I actually thought it was an impressive win by Arizona, and it kind of stood by how I felt about the Saints all year. I'm kicking myself for not taking their under. Um, I just didn't think the Saints were that good of a football team this year, and I didn't really believe a lot in Dennis Allen. Um, So bad times in New Orleans, and they don't have their first-round pick. That belongs to Philadelphia, Um, which I... If you're Philly, man, do you make a move, a McCaffrey-like move with that pick? Like, do you try to get somebody, What you know, Howie Roseman, not not shy? Like, why wouldn't you offer that to Carolina for Brian Burns? If you're, if you, if Carolina is in the market and you could get another edge rusher on that team, like, why wouldn't you offer that to Brian Bur- for Brian Burns and maybe a couple other picks and there you go, right? And then Carolina has New Orleans pick, right now is number four I mean I don't think it'll be a top top five pick but it definitely could be a top 10 pick and then you stack that with potentially a number one pick and you have basically you could build your future you'd have you could get CJ Stroud number one and then you could get an offensive tackle you know in that 10 spot or a premier defender you know and that's kind of like Luke Keekley plus you know whatever wide receiver or quarterback I'm trying to think do they oh Cam Newton yeah, so Cam Newton, Luke Keekley. That's that's what I was looking for. Went on another tangent. Must be a Friday podcast. But anyways, I woke up uh, a, about a half an hour later, and I had seen from our guy Mitch that McCaffrey had went to the 49ers. I was like, holy fuck. I said that in two group chats. Um, it's not great. Um, sad day, bad day. Um, I do think it might be a panic trade by the 49ers. The 49ers gave up 
quite about a bit of draft capital. Uh, they gave up multiple second rounders, a couple third rounders. They didn't get a first. Uh, my guy Brian pointed out, like, how did they not get a conditional first based on, like, injury or play? Like, why didn't they just do stamps or rushing yards where Carolina would get San Francisco's first if, you know, they did X, Y, and Z? And San Francisco pushes their chips all in. And first of all, I have to wonder if this happens if Trey Lance is that quarterback. I, I don't know. That's to me is like the greatest what if of all time right now is like if Trey Lance isn't there, do they make the move for Christian McCaffrey? And then Kyle Shanahan, you know, gets, you know, one of his guys, Ed McCaffrey's, you know, there's a lot of nepotism in San Francisco as pointed out by Lindsey Jones, I believe of, I think she's not working at the ringer now, but like, it's very weird. It's very incestuous there. And so it's not a surprise that San Francisco, you know, went after McCaffrey. They are assuming a massive contract for a guy that has not been able to stay healthy um, the last few years. So we'll see kind of what happens there. But obviously it's a nightmare for the Packers. It is a nightmare in a lot of ways. It's a nightmare from an NFC contender perspective because now they have McCaffrey, Debo, George Kittle. Obviously Jimmy G is not the best, but if you're saying to Jimmy G, hey, just run screen routes to McCaffrey and Debo, all fucking game long. Good fu- good luck. Good luck. Good, like, good luck stopping that. And, oh, yeah, Trent Williams, he'll be back in a couple weeks too. He's a premier left tackle. So now San Francisco is fully equipped and making a move in the NFC because the NFC right now was a rudderless ship. I understand people who don't believe in Philadelphia. I think I said it earlier this week that I'm not entirely all in on Philadelphia. So San Francisco makes this big move. They also know they could be three and four after this week when they're playing Kansas City. I I do like the Chiefs in that game. I think the Chiefs are minus three. I don't really see the Chiefs losing two straight. I think the Niners are pretty banged up from an injury perspective. And I like Mahomes in that spot. Um, but that's here and there. I, I So this puts a ton of pressure on the Green Bay Packers. Straight up, like, Packers have to do something. The Packers cannot sit on their hands. And I don't know what that means. I, I There are a ton of names being thrown around. It is going crazy. Um, there is some guy who's a no-name journalist, and I'm not going to give his name out because I think he's just throwing shit at the wall, who's saying that the Packers are all in on Chase Claypool. Now, there is some corollaries that are interesting. Chase Claypool is rep by the same agent as Aaron Rodgers. Claypool has worked out, I believe, with A.J. Dillon. Um, A.J. Dillon, also part of that agency. Jordan Love, part of that agency. So there is a lot there that could point to the signs of Claypool getting dealt to the Packers. I don't know if that's something that the the Pittsburgh Steelers want to do. Um, I think they would command a pretty high pick for that. I think you could maybe get Carolina and Pittsburgh in some sort of bidding war and saying, all right, if you don't accept our value, which might be like a third round versus a second round, we're going to go with Carolina and go with DJ Moore. Now, DJ Moore has a big contract. I think we went over that a couple weeks ago. He He's not a cheap uh, guy to get. But if they were to acquire DJ Moore, I think you have to ask today. Like that has to be Brian Gunaku's number one thing. And maybe he already has. Maybe, maybe there are already discussions going on because it's clear that Carolina is having a fire sale. And it's clear that Carolina, you know, wants to assume as many picks as possible, or mass, not assume, amass any as many picks as possible 
to get themselves back to where they needed to be as they've lost a ton of picks with the Darnold trade, with some other questionable calls. They are trying to basically revert to what they what they should have been doing all along. And I'll be very curious to see if you know other guys get dealt, whether it's Burns, whether it's Moore. And I think the Packers need to be pounding on a table for DJ Moore. I think DJ Moore is a better option than Chase Claypool. I like Chase Claypool. I think Chase Claypool would be fun in, in Matt LaFleur's system. But I also wonder a little bit about his maturity. Um, it's not, I think, the best. Um, he's had some boneheaded plays as well. Um, I don't think he's at fo- as football smart as I think the Packers might have might like. I just think DJ Moore is the better, more reliable. I also think, too, he would have an easier time sort of connecting with Aaron Rodgers. There's also Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore, as my guy Murph pointed out, uh, he's basically Amari Rodgers, but better. Um, maybe a pick, maybe just swap. Like say more for Rodgers, right? Why not? Um, uh, I do. I think Elijah Moore would solve all the Packers' issues. No, I, I don't. But I do. I think Elijah Moore would help. Do I think he'd be another playmaker? Absolutely. And I think the Packers need to do something. Um, I guess there's going to be tight ends available. Uh, Albert Ogano. I'm not going to try to pronounce this name. Uh, from Denver's available. Mike Kasicki. They think it's going to get traded before the deadline. I mean, Tunyon to me looks kind of back to normal. But if you remember 96, the Green Bay Packers signed Keith Jackson and they basically abused teams in the middle with Mark Shamar and Keith Jackson. So why can't you just do that again with Gesicki and Tunyon? Now both don't really catch, don't really block. That's what you have big dog for. I do like what Josiah DeGuerra has shown in spurts, but I, I, I don't hate it. I don't hate that idea either. But I think Green Bay needs a receiver. Um, ultimately, that's the move that needs to be made. And I, I personally would put Odell last out of those. I, I think you guys have realized I haven't mentioned Odell. First of all, I think Odell's going to Kansas City. I, I think there's way too much smoke there. So I'm not, even, I'm not even considering Odell. But I will tell you this. I am very much pro-organization. Um, I get accused of carrying the water from time to time. But if Packers do nothing here, I, I'm going to have a really tough time defending it. I'm going to have a very, very tough time. Because in my opinion, there's no excuse. If the San Francisco 49ers, the team that beat you in the playoffs, is able to get a guy like Christian McCaffrey, there is no way that you can just sit on your hands and do fucking nothing. That that just cannot be it. It, it, it can't, Right. And if it's OBJ, great, right? I, I have more reservations about him than I do some of the other guys that we just mentioned. But if that's what it is, cool. And that's that's the deal, great. If it's Elijah Moore, if it's Claypool, if it's Moore, awesome. Those are all good things. If they don't work out, okay, whatever. It's You can still point to that we did something. We made it happen. We made sure that Aaron Rodgers had enough firepower there. So we'll see what happens. We'll see. I mean, we're a couple of weeks away, but the Packers, if, yeah, if DJ, I think the nightmare scenario would be if Moore and Claypool go to NFC teams that aren't the Packers. I don't know if that would happen, but if it did happen, you want to watch the world burn? That's how the world burns. Like Mitch, Mitch is a huge fan of things just going really wrong for the Packers or for the Brewers for that matter. And just that, sort of that gif, uh, it's Bob's Burgers gift. Forget the name of the girl. Not my wife would kill me. She's a big Bob, Bob Burgers fan. 
But the little girl who just is like, ah, with the fire, that would basically be what would happen if Moore and Claypool got traded and they weren't traded to the Packers. So it's a, it's a, it's not great. It's not great right now, but as I, I've said a lot this week, it's a week-to-week league. We'll see what happens. It does put it just puts Green Bay in a tough spot. They have to they have to do something. You can't sit on your hands. Um, that's just not allowed anymore. All right, let's move to our usual Friday uh, segments and talk about the betting lines. All right, this is our normal Friday segment when we don't have 30 minutes of other stuff to talk about. Uh, should I bet my team? Um, this basically is our way to do a betting preview for the Green Bay Packers as well as the Wisconsin Badgers. I don't think we have a Bucks line for Saturday, or maybe I could give that as well. And we're not telling you what I would bet. It's basically how I feel, how confident I feel about everything. Um, and we rate it from, you know, I'm not confident at all to pound this, you know, whale play, the whole whole fucking thing, right? Uh, but I've been very, I've not done well in that, those situations, right? Told you guys to pound the Patriots. That did not go well. I said to pound the, the Packers, or pound the Packers, I also said to pound the Packers against the Jets. That did not work out well. So I am probably out of the business of telling you to actually, you know, make big bets on these sort of things because it does not seem to work out, nor does it seem to work out for anybody, right? Like everybody seems to be like, if you're like, oh yeah, bet this team, yeah, yeah, yeah. It never, it never works out. It never is a good thing. Um, you, when you have those big bets, you just keep them to yourself. That's... Rule number one. So let's get into the Packers. The Packers are a four and a half favorite heading to Washington. Uh, the over under is 41 and a half. So let's start with the spread. The spread's down to four and a half. <sighs> I said I wasn't going to do it. I was all gonna, I was ready to come onto this podcast and tell you guys I'm staying away. Do not touch the Packers. Ignore the Packers. Just don't do anything with them this week. Like, Let's see what happens. Let's, you know, evaluate from here. And now I look at that spread and I'm like, I got to take the Packers. Like four points against a Washington team who I think is one of the worst teams in football. To me, like, I'm not, this is not a hammer. This is not a, this is a proceed with caution. But it's one of those where, all right, now we've adjusted a little bit too far. I thought at five, I thought that was a fair line. I thought that was one that, I could see people betting if you wanted to buy it up to six even. So you get like a full touchdown in case of an extra point miss. I'm cool with that. If you were to go, I, I don't bet against my team though. That's like rule number one. I never do that. I never recommend it. Um, never think it's something you should do. I think it's loser mentality, honestly. Um, because I just, I don't know, man. Like it's not like you don't always have to make money on every little fucking thing. And yeah, you should be sad and like if you're like, oh, I won my bet, but the Packers lost. Like, fuck you. Like, I don't know. I I have a lot. I have, a, I have very strong feelings about that, which you can do on our podcast uh, another time. But yeah, four. If it's down to four and you buy that point, man, like that, that's really hard for me to disagree with. And it's something I could certainly see the Packers winning by four. I I just look. I just do not think that Green Bay is going to have another stinker, and I, I really don't. I, and I might be naive, I might be biased, whatever, 
But I just, I, I really have a hard time thinking that the Packers might not all click, but will start showing signs of life. And we pointed out on the, on the pod yesterday, which if you haven't listened, go back and listen to that, where I, I, I kind of break down like the Packers have been 500 before and it's suddenly an awakening for them. And all of a sudden they, they start playing better football. And I just wonder if that's something you're going to see in this game against the the Commanders. I won't say Redskins, but the Commanders. And I just, I know Taylor Heineke, a lot of people like him. I know that he's probably a more preferred fan option than Carson Wentz. But Taylor Heineke, there's a reason they went with Carson Wentz last year. Because Taylor Heineke showed he wasn't that dude. And the Packers beat up Heineke. They think it ended like 20 to 15. You know, Heineke, you know, makes some incredible plays, can chuck the ball downfield, but he's a gunslinger, man. He's a fan of Brett Favre. Like, he plays like Brett Favre. You watch him, and there's a lot of, like, a poor man's version of Brett Favre. Probably a tasteful joke because of the welfare stuff, but seriously, like, he... He he doesn't he has some of those skills, but it's not anywhere near what Favre was. So Heineke's gonna make mistakes. That offensive line's terrible. If Joe Barry's not coming at those guys early on and frustrating Heineke and getting in his face, I don't know what the fuck we're doing. And hopefully Jair has clamps on Terry McLaurin. And yeah, I I just look at that spread and I think it's an overreaction to what we've seen the last few weeks. I think if they had the Packers beat the Jets or beat the Giants. I think that spread is six, seven, and and that one I would actually be more uneasy about. But four, I I'll take the four. So I guess I am fairly confident. That's how I will rate this one. Um, as for others, I can totally understand if you're staying away. Um, over under forty one. So there's a lot of trends to the under. Um, if you if you look into it, I'm not huge on that number. That's a low low fucking number. Uh, totals have gone five out of the last seven games for the Packers under. For Washington, it's been four of their last five. So you look at the head-to-head matchups between the two teams when they've met in the last 10, 10 tries, the over-under is only five and five. So there isn't exactly like a thing that you'd be like, okay, this this is exactly what we want to do. There is, to me, like usually how I determine over-unders is if it kind of lines up where either both offenses suck or both offenses are great, but the defenses suck. Um, but I, I just look at the point totals for Green Bay and I I have a hard time getting that this stays to under 41. If we look at it, so three three of their games this year, or four of their games this year stayed under 41. The Giants in New England did not stay under 41. For Washington, They've had a lot that actually have stayed under 41 besides the first two of the season. So the last four games, which were kind of mentioned, it was 32, 35, 38, and 19. So, but new quarterback, like, I don't know, man. I'd stay away. Like, I kind of like the over today uh, in Arizona, New Orleans. I didn't touch it because I was like, it's a little bit of like Arizona, a lot of Arizona unders, a lot of guys banged up, but I was like, New Orleans defense might stink. And sure enough, they did. I wish I would have taken it because that would have been a winner. But what can you do? You can't, you can't win them all. But yes, yeah, so to wrap up, I, I'm fairly confident in the Packers uh, in terms of getting, covering the four. Uh, as for the over-under, I'd stay away. 
Um, I'm not confident in it at all. Um, I would say it's one that it makes sense from a trends perspective, but it's a little too low for me. I think had it if it gets past 42, if it gets up to 42, maybe because then you're at a football number, right? That's six six touchdowns with extra points. So it's like, are are we really going to see six scores in this game? That that's something you could ask yourself. Um, but yeah, I I'm staying away from that over under total. Moving on to the Wisconsin Badgers. So this really felt like a stay away weekend, right? Like I was like, you know what? We're going to do this whole thing. It's going to be called stay away weekend. Uh, and then you saw Packers get to four and a half. Now I've seen that Purdue has 88% of the money um, on them so far. Purdue is a two and a half point underdog to the Badgers. The over under is 51. Now I thought Bud Elliott of the Cover 3 podcast I wish I would have listened to because he gave out Troy today and I took South Alabama. Um, he points out that like doing the public money stuff is kind of bullshit because you don't know when the money's coming in. It's kind of a lazy way to approach handicapping. So I'm not not going to exactly do it because I'm not going to tell you about the Badgers. All right. Like I am not telling you. Um, I, I think everybody's going to be on Purdue. I think it is a trap line. I think it screams taking Wisconsin if you're a contrarian better. Um, that to me is something that I, I sometimes am, but I'm sometimes not. Like it's certain situations. I can be a real pussy about it and be like, I know that's a trap line and I'm going to not take it or I'm going to take the cheese and just be like, you guys are full shit. And this, this makes absolutely no fucking sense. I'm trying to think of good example. Like a good example of that was the jazz uh, yesterday. Was that yesterday? That was yeah Wednesday. The jazz were six and a half point dogs to Denver. I'm like, what the fuck? is Denver only has a six and a half point dog. And the Jazz won, and they beat him handily. And we, I should have saw that coming, right? I should have looked at that and said, that's a trap. And I'm not going to fall into it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those that I think it's very sneaky. And I think everyone's going to load up on Purdue. I think Purdue is going to be a public pop. And let me just also remind you that Purdue has lost 10 straight games to the Badgers straight up. Uh, on the ATS, it's their three for their last 10. Um, it's not great. But now we have the over. And I fucking love the over. Okay? Like, I really like the over. Purdue's had the over in seven of their last nine games. The Badgers have had the over in the last five games. Now, that was an under game with the Badgers and Michigan State. Then you had overtime and then it went over. And kind of played out the way I told you guys, right? I was like, if you listen to the last Friday show, I was basically, okay, um, you have you have basically either the Badgers beat up on Michigan State and they show what they do, or Michigan State shows some fight, shows some heart, and wins this game. And basically the latter happened, unfortunately. But yeah, I think these teams are going to light up the scoreboard. Um, I, Purdue has a great passing attack with Aiden O'Connell. Um, Ricardo Hallman was the guy who got picked on a lot in Michigan State. I would expect Jeff Brom to do the same thing. He's going to air it all out. You also have a Badger team that's facing Purdue defense that's not exactly you know the 86 Bears. So I, I think they can score on them. 
And that's where I look at that 51. And the weather also, like we mentioned, the weather's going to be great this weekend. So I think it all screams over. Um, I'm, it's, I can't remember the last time in my life I was that confident in a batter's over, but I feel pretty good about that one. It will, I think that will make my card. Like, I, I'll be honest. I, I'm not saying I'm going to load up, but it, it will make the card, um, which is way too big on, on college football Saturdays. Got to work on that. Any tips would be extremely appreciated if you have if you figure that out so i would say the best of the four uh, between the badgers and the packers the over in the purdue wisconsin game all right that does it for today's show i hope you guys enjoyed it Uh, make sure that you are rating and reviewing we really appreciate it like i said in the group chat like here if you're talking to me about this pod like i i need a a rating or review before before we're talking about it I do want to follow up on Thursday's show. Um, yeah, and I'm sorry for it. I, I didn't like it. Um, I would, you know, when you tape these all the time, sometimes they don't turn out the way you, way you enjoy it. But I was struggling with coming up with soccer names for the new Milwaukee team. And then I did it as a TikTok feature. Um, and I have five for you. So here they are for those who care. Milwaukee FC, Bruce City SC, so not FC, soccer club. Uh, because I just think it sounds better off the tongue than Bruce City FC. Um, I, some of these I did mention yesterday. Cream City FC, MKE United, I really like. Um, I think that's great. I know some might be like, oh, it kind of sounds like Manchester United. Look, who cares? And, and also, too, like even if it does sound close to Manchester United, it's one of the biggest fucking soccer clubs in all, all of the world. All right? So I don't think that's a bad thing. The last one I had was Milwaukee 414 SC, which was taken from another USL soccer club, which has its Memphis 901 SC or FC. I can't remember. But regardless, um, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be – that's going to be fun. Um, so make sure you – if you hadn't seen the TikTok, uh, tap into Keg Sports and watch that. Give it a like. I might throw that on Instagram. We'll see. I just wish I had more time, man. Uh, I wish I had more time to throw all my shit on every on every platform, but it is not easy. Um, you know, it's you 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 have the time as much as you'd like, but that's okay. Um, we soldier on. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Um, I'll probably be out and about Saturday in a variety of capacities. Um, fingers crossed. Um, and so yeah, we'll uh, we'll hang out. We'll have a good time. I'll try to be a little more active on the stories of where I'm at. Um, so if you guys are around and want to meet up, have a beer, talk sports, talk shop, um, be happy to do that. All right. Take care. Have a great weekend. We'll be back Monday. We'll talk Commanders Packers, talk Badgers and Purdue. We'll also talk about the Bucks and the Rockets. I'll get ourselves ready for uh, the Nets game, which I think is Wednesday. Um, and then next week. Shannon and I are back. We're, we figured out the music podcast. You might have heard the test show we did. Probably, you know, and, and that was that was fun. Um, and that was what almost two months ago. Um, so we are back. Um, we're going to tape that on Monday night, and that'll be live on Tuesday. And then Mitch and I probably on Friday. Um, we haven't done a Friday show in a while, but because the Bucks are playing on Wednesday night, um, we will not tape. Um, probably something that. Unfortunately, the listeners will have to get used to. Um, so probably Friday show. Um, we may may do Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm not sure. Um, we'll talk to Mitch and figure that out. I'll have that answer for you on Monday's podcast. All right. Take care of yourself. 
Have a great weekend. Enjoy the great weather. Probably the last good weather day. So get out there. Um, try to decide for myself if I'm going to grill on Friday night or not. Um, been leaning. I'm leaning more towards it than I asked it. But it also means that I have to like actually cook and clean. And then I don't have to like take out or anything like that. So I don't know. Um, stay tuned. I'll Maybe I'll, again, let the stories know. I always say that like uh, I will use Instagram stories to like actually talk about my, my personal life. And then I don't because I'm like, who the fuck really cares? Anyways, all right. I'm out of here. Take care. Have a good one. See you. Bye.